Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and this is my podcast. And if you're here, you probably knew that, I hope. Today, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different episode. Uh, Typically in these weekly podcasts, I like to just talk about the news and like things that have happened during the week. But I'm also in this episode, I really want to talk about a race I actually did last weekend and kind of go through the whole day play by play, because if you don't know, um, I've already posted a video about this on my YouTube channel. You can actually go check that out if you haven't yet. But that video is only like seven minutes long. So I took ten and a half hours of running and condensed it down to seven minutes. In this podcast, I kind of just want to go through the whole day in a bit more detail for people who have asked some questions about maybe the gear I was using or my strategies or whatever. And hopefully I can provide some insight into my day at this race. Um, At the end of this episode, we will also go through the news and talk about some of the new stuff that have come out this week and some of the YouTube videos that I've been working on and touch all that stuff as well. Before we dive in, though, I do want to uh, thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast. It's actually been growing pretty steadily and we've been getting a lot of downloads. So super cool. It is weird to think I'm just sitting here by myself talking to a microphone and people actually want to listen to that. So uh, thanks for following along. If you haven't yet, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast platform because that really helps this thing grow and get off the ground. I would also really appreciate it if you hit the uh, comment button and just kind of say a blurb about what you like about the podcast or what you don't like about it. Maybe if you don't like something, maybe don't say anything at all. But uh, you know, it's a free country. You do you. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm doing here. Uh, Before we move on, I also want to thank the supporter of this podcast, and that is Liquid IV. If you haven't heard of Liquid IV, they actually played a role in this race, which we will talk about a little bit. But Liquid IV is a powder. It's actually a hydration multiplier. So you order this stuff. It comes in a bunch of different flavors. My favorite flavor is lemon lime. It is uh, super neutral flavored. It's something I can drink all day and never get sick of it. And it is super hydrating. So it's a hydration multiplier that basically gets the water into your system a lot quicker. It's got electrolytes in it. It's got salt in it. And the whole packet is only 50 calories. So you're not jacking yourself up with a bunch of calories and stuff. Um, I use this for races. I use it in everyday life, like in the morning when I just want to feel a little bit more hydrated or even as a recovery drink after a race. I love the stuff. I've been using it for years and fortunately they are uh, supporting this podcast now. So uh, it's a win-win for me. So if you're interested in checking out Liquid IV, go down to the show notes and click the link and use code chase the summit, all one word at checkout for 25% off your order. 25% off is pretty crazy. So use code chase the summit, all one word, no spaces, chase the summit at checkout as a coupon code for 25% off. Okay. That was a pretty professional plug. If I do say so myself, let's move on. So the race, the race I ran last weekend is a race called the Chesterfield Gorge Ultra. Um, I have spoken about this race, uh, speaking, spoken about this race several times on this podcast, and you're probably sick about it now. Uh, but I'm going to keep talking about it because it's fresh in my memory. So the Chesterfield Gorge Ultra is a multi-distance race here in Massachusetts. You can run anything from a 25K all the way up to 100 miles if you want to, and everything in between. So there's 25K, 50K, 50 miler, 
100K and 100 miler. So there's basically a distance for everybody. Um, so you choose the, the thing about this race is you choose your distance, your desired distance before you get to the race while you're registering. All the registrations are the same price. And then when you get there, if you sign up for 100 miles, but you feel like crap at 50K, you can still just drop down to the 50K and still count it as a finish. So there's really no DNFs at this race, which I really like. So for me, I signed up for this race because you've heard me talk about this before. I needed a qualifier for a race I'm signed up for next month called the Vermont 100. The Vermont 100 Ultra Marathon is a 100 mile race here in the USA in Vermont, and it's one of the oldest in the country. It's also one of the hardest to get into because there is a lottery because so many people sign up for it. And because of that, they want to make sure people who sign up can genuinely actually run the race. So there is a qualifier. You need to run a 50 mile ultra in under 12 hours, or you have to run 100 miles in under 32 hours. And I think for most uh, ultra runners out there, those are two attainable goals if you have some level of training. Uh, for me, you know, my training hasn't been that great leading up to any of this. But I still, uh, you know, have a pretty solid base. I haven't let myself completely go. Uh, but with, you know, we're moving. We've got a fairly new baby in the house. I've got four kids, the dog sick, etc. I'll complain all day. Uh, that all plays a role into training. But I digress. So the whole reason I was at this race was to qualify for Vermont. Um, and the problem is the only race before this that I had signed up for uh, was this mountainous race a few uh, last month, actually in May uh, that was called the Wapak and back in that race was a 50 miler as well, but it's way harder. Like there's tons of elevation gain, super technical, gnarly terrain, no chance that I was going to qualify there. Now Chesterfield, on the other hand, it's a really interesting race because it's an out and back course. So you run out in a straight line, basically for about eight miles, you turn around and you come back for a 16 mile out and back. And you just do that over and over all day until you hit your desired distance. And the benefit of this race is it's fairly flat. Like the whole thing only has uh, like seven or 800 feet of elevation gain. Not even. I think it's only like 500 feet per lap. Um, so at the end of the 50 miler, you get like 2,500, 3,000 feet of elevation gain, which in the grand scheme for an ultra is like nothing. So, I, you know, not to sound snarky or anything. It's just like not a lot of elevation gain where if you go to Vermont, the Vermont 100 has like 17,000 feet of elevation gain, which is a lot. <laughs> Anyways, I chose this race because it's kind of a last chance to qualify for Vermont and it's a relatively easy course. Combine those two things. Uh, that's why I signed up. So I got to the race a little bit early, like 15 minutes early, got my bib on, um, kind of hung around the starting line. And what was super cool about Chesterfield is like, there were a bunch of people that recognized me from YouTube, from the race videos I've made before. Everyone said hi. And it is super cool. Like, I don't, it's not about my ego ego or anything. It's just like really weird to, to meet people in the flesh that actually watch my YouTube channel and, you know, see me and uh, feel compelled to say hi or <clears throat> even talk about how I motivated them to race or something. It all feels very surreal to me in my little micro famous world <laughs> that I live in. Um, but yeah, so there were a bunch of people at the starting line. <clears throat> I hung around for a few minutes 
and then we uh, we got going. So the way this course is designed, like I said, it's an out and back. There is an aid station at the start and finish. That's kind of like the main aid station with the most support. Then halfway down the course, there's a water drop that is only water. So there's a bunch of jugs of water. And then on the far side where the turnaround is, is another big aid station with uh, supplies. But the main aid station, the start finish line is really where you get the most support. So when you leave there, you want to make sure you're well hydrated, you have all the food you need, etc. Um, so the first, I want to say the first 16 miles or so basically blew by, you know, like I didn't really even, I, I, I was feeling great. Like I was, um, had a pretty solid pace. I mean, probably too fast. Um, I started with a pace of like below nine minute miles for a 50 mile ultra is kind of crazy. Um, and I carried that for like the first 10 or 12 miles. And then I slowed it down a bit at about mile 16, because that's about where I noticed that my calves were starting to like seize up a little bit and they were kind of crampy. It was kind of weird because everything else, my whole body felt really fresh, but my calves were starting to give me a little bit of an issue. Um, so I, de I decided at that point I was going to just dial back my pace and drop down to more of a casual like walk slash run pace where I'd uh, you know jog for a few minutes and walk for a few minutes and I did that for a couple of miles and really killed my pace but it was a benefit because I could I actually pulled myself out of whatever was happening to me I stopped and stretched for a little while and then when I got back to the start finish line um, I drank a bunch of electrolytes and here is <laughs> Uh, when liquid IV comes into the equation, I filled up both of my bottles with liquid IV and I chugged them pretty quickly. And by the time I got to the midpoint aid station by about uh, mile 20, 21 or so, I noticed that my cramps had gone away. So it was directly related to hydration, which is not good because that means I got dehydrated to the point of cramping up. In either case, I was like, all right, cool. I figured out the problem. It's time to, uh, you know, reel it in, uh, dial in the hydration, turn down the pace a little bit, see if I can ride this out. So I kept on cruising and I got to the 50K mark uh, and I noticed that at 50K, um, I could have stopped there and qualified, you know, called myself a 50K runner, but I had done that in about six hours, which is actually pretty quick for my current fitness level, a six hour 50K. Um, my PR in a 50 K is about five hours. So it was about an hour behind that, but, uh, feeling pretty good at the 50 K mark. So I decided at that point, I am definitely going for that 50 mile. And I had this thought in my head, like if I go for 50 mile, I'm probably going to hurt myself or something's going to go wrong. But that's kind of the name of the game because I felt there was something going on with my legs. There, there was that fear of dehydration. Um, but I thought, you know what, let's just go for it. Let's go all in. I don't want to just back out because I think something could happen. Um, so I just kept moving. So here's where things get interesting. And I even say in the video that historically for me, the race always starts at like at a 50 miler. The race always ends up starting like quote unquote starting at that 30 to 32 mile mark. And then the rest of the race is a freaking struggle. And this was no different. So 
at about mile 40, I want to say like mile 38, mile 40, I got the worst cramps ever. My legs were spasming, cramping up. My quads were cramping up. My calves were cramping up. And the worst part were my feet. My feet were cramping. Like the arch of my foot was going real, like super tight and then releasing and then super tight and releasing. And it was the weirdest sensation. And my wheels kind of just came off at this point. I was not feeling great. Um, I immediately recognized that I was definitely at this point getting dehydrated because there is actually a point in this course where you're actually out in the sun uh, and that you're like full blown sun exposure for about like four miles. So you're running in one direction for two miles, you turn around and go back. And during that time, you're just in full blown blasting sun. And oddly enough, the temperatures were pretty mild this day. And, you know, I, I was feeling pretty good in the shade, but when I got out to those exposed areas, I would got that just zapped the energy out of me and I could feel my, myself sweating and that dehydration feeling kind of setting in. And that's exactly what happened after going through there several times. Um, I definitely became dehydrated in watching the video is kind of surreal. Uh, again, it's on YouTube and I'll link it in the show notes. If you watch, if you like screenshot my face at the beginning of the video and then screenshot the face at the end of the video, you can actually see my face looks the skin, like my eyes have sunken into my head and my skin, my face looks skinnier. It's so weird. So I definitely became dehydrated. Um, and that's really that was the major issue. So at mile 40, I was feeling really bad. I recognized the issue and I started drinking a ton of liquid IV and water and I took some salt tabs to try to pull it together. Uh, I was really, it was weird. I was super thirsty, but like drinking made me feel sick. So I was kind of forcing myself to drink, which kind of gave me a stomach ache. So now everything's cramping up. My stomach hurts. It was just a really bad situation. And to top it all off, like, it's weird, but like there were people who were like, hey, man, I remember I've seen you on YouTube or something. And I had to like paint the smile on and be like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, good seeing you out here because like I didn't want people to see me falling apart. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but um, I hung in there. And at this point, I'm basically walking. Yeah, like just a walk, maybe a jog um, here and there, like on the downhills, I would jog on the uphills and flats. I was kind of just walking. And I was trying to let my legs get out of that crampy state so I could get back in the game because the cramping was a real was a real problem for me. I couldn't I couldn't run through it. You know, I'd make like four steps in and then everything felt tight and it felt really bad. So I would end up walking again. And I thought this is stupid, like just keep walking until you feel better. So um, at this point, I bump into a couple of people uh, that weren't feeling very well either. And we were all in the 50 mile distance. So it felt like a race of the, you know, a race of the people that are falling apart. <laughs> and there's this other guy specifically who uh, we were kind of yo-yoing each other. He passed me and then I would pass him. And then he wasn't feeling good. So I ended up passing him and I was like, oh, I, I think I think I'm ahead of him. And at mile 48, he passed me <laughs> and he ended up uh, finishing like right in front of me. Um, anyways, I pulled it together. In right about mile 47, 48, I started to feel better, but still not great. 
<clears throat> and at this point, I had lost my voice. My voice started, it became very hoarse and raspy. And it was really challenging, actually. Um, I was trying to film it, talk talk to my GoPro. And I was having a struggle talking to the GoPro and making myself, you know, coherent. Um, and that, that just, like, stressed me out a little bit. But, you know, I kept moving. And I, like, like I said, mile 47, 48, it started to subside a bit and my legs felt a little bit better. So I started running again. And at this point I'm running like a 12 minute pace to finish off the race and finally get to the finish line. I crossed the finish line at 10 hours in 32 minutes, I think. Um, and what was funny is my watch said 49.99 for distance. I was like, no way. So I kept moving. Um, right after I crossed the finish line until my watch had 50. And then I stopped my watch because that would have drove me bananas with my OCD. So, uh, yeah, finish the race 10 and a half hours, give or take, which is kind of funny. Um, because back in 2019, I finished the exact same distance at the very same race in eight and a half hours. So that's an indicator of my current fitness level. It is what it is. The old dad bod hung in there for the race. And I, I am happy to say I finished. I'm still proud of it, even though it wasn't like my fastest time ever. Um, it was, it was all good. And, uh, I, I'm happy I finished. So that was the Chesterfield Gorge ultra. Now, what was, what, what happened after this? You know, I crossed the finish line. I got my drop bag. I clapped in a few, I cheered for a few runners coming in. Um, but what, what happened when I got to the car was the interesting part because this race is two hours away from my house. So I had a two hour, two hour car ride to get home. Um, I got to my car, I sat in the car and immediately everything starts spasming and cramping up my stomach, my legs, my calves, my quads, my feet. I have cramps everywhere, really bad, really uncomfortable cramps. And I'm like, crap, I'm, I'm going to have to drive home two hours in a really, really uncomfortable state. And the alternative was like, I could have hung out there and tried to rehydrate and maybe get to a better place before I start driving. But that was also a risk because if it got worse, now I'm stuck two hours away from home. I'd have to call my wife to come get me or something. And yeah, I didn't want to have to do that. So I started driving and it was like the worst two hour drive home. I kept like pulling over and like getting out of the car and trying to stretch and stuff. It was really bad and not to be too graphic, but like I ended up going to the bathroom and when I peed, it was like Coca-Cola Brown. I was like, Oh, that's a problem. So there's a confirmation that I was super dehydrated. Um, I eventually got home and at this point I'm starving and I had been drinking water the whole ride home, just trying to rehydrate. Uh, fortunately, my wife brought home a big um, buffalo chicken sub sandwich. That's what it was craving at the time. Um, and I was so hungry. But when I started eating it, I started feeling sick. So I ended up in bed with a massage gun, drinking water, feeling lightheaded, feeling super sick all night. Uh, I had a rough night of sleep. I kept like waking up to my legs cramping and my feet cramping and it was, it was kind of a mess. Um, and it's weird because I didn't feel that coming on. It really just came on really quick. So the next morning I woke up 
and I felt way better. So all the hydration and everything through the night definitely helped. And by lunchtime the next day on Sunday, I was pretty much back to normal. Yeah, my legs are totally trashed, but for the most part, my my you know hydration, my my system as a whole felt back to normal, and it, I just felt like the normal soreness you would feel after a big race like that. So what have I, what have I been doing ever since for recovery? Well, uh, a couple of things. So it's now Thursday. Um, the race was on Saturday and during the week, I really didn't run at all. I've been going on some walks and, um, I did go for a two hour or not two hour, two mile jog a couple of days ago. And then last night I actually did a four, four mile run and actually felt pretty good. I didn't run very fast, just kind of a casual thing to shake out the cobwebs a little bit. Um, been feeling pretty good. Another thing that's actually helped a lot, and I don't know if it's just in my head or real, is I've got some massage boots, like recovery boots, that were sent to me from a company called Bob and Brad. Uh, they're actually on YouTube. They're like these two physical therapist guys. And I've been wearing these massage boots uh, almost on a daily basis that just kind of like squeeze and release to improve blood flow around um, your feet and your calves. And that actually seems to be helping a lot. And I've also been using a massage gun basically every day on my calves and on the bottom of my feet to try to just stimulate that a little bit. Um, On top of all that, I've been using liquid IV as like a hydration thing uh, here and there. Basically, I like the taste of it. And I do think it does have some merit in terms of um, just kind of hydrating your muscles and stuff. I don't know the science behind it, but it makes me feel better. So I drink it. And finally, I've been using a mixture of glucosamine and turmeric as a supplement, which is good for your joints and for anti-inflammatory properties. And all of that combined has me sitting here on Thursday feeling pretty good, which is good because now we have to start thinking about Vermont, which is in, uh, let's see, 14, no, not 14, like 20 something days here. It's on July 15th. The Vermont 100 is on July 15th. And now I'm qualified, so I'm going to be there. So now I need to start planning for that, which is kind of crazy because there's a lot of moving parts with this one. I'm going to have a crew there. Hopefully, if I can talk somebody into it. (laughs) I'm also going to have pacers there. Um, I've already got my wife signed up to pace for the end of the race, hopefully. And then I need somebody... If you're out there and you're local and you want to help pace, reach out to me because I'm I'm lacking pacers right now. Um, but it would be ideal to have a pacer for the nighttime hours at a hundred mile ultra. You run through the night and um, those are typically for me, at least the really difficult times of, uh, of being alone. Um, you know, you've been running all day, you're alone, you're in the dark, and it's really nice to have somebody to talk to you at those at those moments. So I'm trying to structure this all together. I've started like a Google Doc about Vermont, about the crew, the planning, the parking, uh, what nutrition I want to bring, what I'm going to wear, and all that stuff. So stay tuned for future episodes of how I'm planning for Vermont, because I'm definitely going to be talking about all that. Okay, in other news, um, yeah, I I think I'm allowed to talk about this. So another piece of exciting news is that I'm actually going to be out at the Western States 100 this year. 
uh, as part of a media team with the shoe brand Hoka. Uh, this is super cool for me. They invited me to come out and um, kind of hang around the race and make some content out there. So I am very excited. I've never been to Western States. I'm not going to be running. I'm just going to be like hanging around some strategic spots at each stations at the start and finish line. And then kind of seeing some of the sites around the area. And I am just beyond excited to be part of the group that's going out there for that. So uh, if you're not, make sure you go over to YouTube and subscribe there because I'm going to have a bunch of content about that trip coming up at the end of this month. So I'm very excited about that. Okay, and uh, you know, that's kind of it for race stuff. I guess we should move on to some of the news this week because there's some news to talk about. Actually, today, uh, I posted a video about this, but I do want to talk about it on the podcast as well. Apple announced uh, their Apple Watch OS 9 software update at the WWDC event on June 6th, which was a few days ago. And there's a lot of exciting features that are coming out in this Apple Watch update that will specifically be exciting for runners. So the first thing that we're getting is native running power support with no sensor required, which is crazy. So you can buy an Apple Watch, put it on your wrist, go for a run, and you'll record running power data. And if you don't know what running power it is, it's essentially the um, estimation of how much power your body is generating while you're running, and it's measured in watts, like a light bulb. And previously, you know, a couple of years ago even, you would always need a third-party sensor, like a stride pod or like the puller. There was like a puller sensor that did this that would pick up running power and record it. You could pair it like with a Bluetooth uh, to your to your Apple Watch or your Garmin or whatever. But just recently, you know, within the past couple of years, companies like Coros and Polar are doing this wrist base, and now we have Apple doing it too. And it's exciting that Apple is including this, not only just because I like the idea of running power, but also because of what it represents. Running power has always been this like mystical metric that some watches record and some don't, and there's no standard to it. So if you record a run with a Coros and a Polar and a Stride, and then you compare them side by side, they all give you different numbers. So there's no standard out there. No one's agreeing to the, you know, calibration or standard on any of this stuff. It's just kind of a mess. And what I'm excited about this Apple thing is Apple is so big and widely adopted that I think they're going to they're going to become the standard. Now they can only become the standard if they execute this well and it's a repeatable and consistent metric that's recorded by the watch. If it's all over the place, forget what I just said. But knowing Apple, they typically really polish their uh, updates before they release them. So I'm hopeful that this running power update is going to be like big for the whole industry. However, I am worried about some of the sensor manufacturers out there, specifically Stride. So Stride's whole thing is selling this little sensor that goes on your shoe to record running power. And a, a, a huge percentage of the people who use Stride Pods are Apple Watch users. So now they've just taken away <laughs> Apple has just taken that away from Stride and put it in the Apple Watch. So now you don't even need the Stride pod to get running power. Um, I don't know how Stride's going to handle this. This could work for them or it could hurt them if they can make 
the stride pod optional and allow apple watch to work directly with stride that would be super cool so maybe um maybe the stride pod will give you more accurate and consistent results so they'll still sell some of the of those but maybe they could take the raw data from the apple watch the running power data and bring it into the stride app and use that for the stride workouts and calculating your ftp and all that stuff if they could do that that would be super cool because now you've got the best of both worlds you've got wrist-based power you've got the stride app you've got uh the integrated workouts and stuff and all of that works with just the Apple Watch with no sensor. And maybe they could charge you the subscription fee to keep their business open um, to use the app. And if you want to, you could upgrade to the Stride Pod to get even more accurate data. That would be cool. Now, the only way that's going to work <clears throat> is, like I said, is if the Apple Watch power metric is consistent with Stride. They have to be similar or else this whole thing won't work. Uh, but I'm speculating here. I don't really know what the long-term plan is for Stride. I'm sure they're kind of scared after this announcement, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. So the next new thing on the Apple Watch with OS 9 is going to be vertical oscillation, ground contact time, and stride length. These are advanced running dynamics data fields that you can have on the watch now that previously only existed on something like a Garmin or a Koros. And now you can have that on your Apple Watch. Now, for me, I've never found value in these because I'm not like a two-hour marathon guy. Um, I know a lot of people that are interested in these details. Uh, but what I want to see Apple do with this stuff, this includes running power, is maybe take all of that data, all of this new advanced stuff, the running power, vertical oscillation, contact time, stride length, and then aggregate it with some, like, smarts behind the scenes, some AI to come up with maybe a training plan or uh, some suggested workouts for the day rather than just like spitting numbers at the user. I hope they can find a way to, um, you know, make it smarter, take out the guesswork because just giving somebody ground contact time and running power data doesn't unlock their capability to help them train or be a better runner. Um, they still have to like hire a coach to kind of decipher what to do. But if Apple could find a way to take the guesswork out of it and put some smarts in it, that would be super cool. Uh, another addition is some new data fields. So now you can have a heart rate zone graph while you're running. You can have alerts while you're running for pace, cadence, and running power, which is super cool. There's also custom workout creation. So you can set up work and rest timers. And then there's this new thing that's kind of like a virtual pacer. Um, so it'll if you run the same path every day, so every morning if you wake up and run the same route, it'll actually recognize that you're running the same route and then let you know how you're doing compared to your last, your last effort on that route. And I think this is super cool. And it's something that is going to be completely automatic. Um, where previously, like, you could do that look, with maybe like um, Strava segments or something. You could set up a segment for that route that you run every day, but now Apple's gonna do it automatically, which is super cool. And I can't wait to try it out. And finally, we've got something that a lot of people have requested for a while, and that is full triathlon support with smart transition detection. So it'll actually be able to tell when you go from your swim to your bike to your run, 
It'll do that automatically behind the scenes, which is something that we only saw before on the uh, Wahoo Element Rival watch, uh, which was specifically designed for triathlon. And now we're seeing that come to the Apple Watch. And again, uh, I'm not a, triathl a triathlete or a multi-sport person, so I don't know how this will work. Uh, I don't, I'm probably not going to test it, but it is super cool. And I'm sure some of my peers out there on YouTube will be doing the work that I won't. <laughs> uh, on top of that, on top of all the activity stuff, there's also some, some new wellness tracking stuff. Uh, specifically is an updated sleep detection system with sleep stages. And this was a huge complaint of mine for a long time on Apple watches. Uh, you would always get sleep, but it was never really detailed. They didn't give you a lot of information about it in the sleep app as a whole was kind of hokey. Like you had to put in your bedtime and if you missed your bedtime, then it would be off. And it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. It looks like now they've revamped the whole sleep system to be a little bit, uh, better hopefully. And now maybe it won't mean a lot of people need to download additional apps to get better sleep data. So that's exciting. There's also a few other things that they've added, uh, that I'm not going to go into detail with here. They've got medicine tracking. You can actually take a picture of your pill bottles and record them and then have your watch remind you when to take more pills. And there's also an AFib history thing they added where you can track a regular heart rate over time which is great for people with heart issues. And you can actually give that data or share it with your doctor. And there's going to be new watch faces and a new updated Siri, which is very exciting for everybody. So that's the big update with uh, Apple Watch OS 9 and what I've gleaned from it so far. What's exciting about this is we should see a beta, a beta program roll up for this relatively soon where we should be able to install this on a series seven or a series six or a series five to be able to test out all this new stuff before whatever the next Apple watch is. Cause you know, theoretically it would be the series eight sometime in the fall. Uh, but it's not, not here yet. So looking forward to downloading the beta and trying it out. Stay tuned for, uh, an updated video when I do that, cause I'll definitely test it out and share my thoughts. Another big release that happened, uh, during the week, was it during this week or last week was the Garmin foreigner nine fifty five and two fifty five release. That was last week. I can't remember if I talked about it in last week's podcast. No, I didn't because I had a guest on last week, so I'll cover it here. <laughs> this is a very scripted podcast as you can, you can tell. So last week, the uh, Garmin foreigner nine fifty five and two fifty five released these were two highly sought after or highly anticipated devices. And it showed because a lot of people are very excited when they uh, came out and when uh, my video dropped, I've been testing them for like a month now. I've got the uh, 955 on my wrist right now, actually wore the 955 at the ultra I talked about in this episode at Chesterfield and it performed excellent. I had the 955 in multi-band GPS mode, which was awesome. Gave me super accurate GPS and not only that, at the end of the race, I still had like 65% of my battery left, which is actually interesting because it exceeds the spec for multiband mode. So I was getting better battery life than they advertised. In short, uh, the 955 and 255 are exciting for a few reasons. Better heart rate sensors, multiband GPS modes, and some really cool new software uh, for training readiness, uh, HRV training and status 
kind of like a whoop band, but built into Garmin now and a whole slew of other new features. Uh, very exciting. And uh, yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't yet, make sure to go over to, to the YouTube channel and watch the videos because they're really exciting devices. And I'm excited to keep wearing this 955. It's kind of become my daily driver, even though I really like the Garmin Epix Gen 2, the 955 is really awesome because it's super light and it's basically everything a Phoenix is, but in a plastic lightweight case. So that's kind of the spoiler to the video if you haven't watched it yet. Okay, folks, uh, I've been jabbing, jib jabbing for 36 minutes now, and I am moments away from getting my kid off the bus. So I'm going to have to uh, end this podcast now. If you enjoyed this podcast, like I said before, make sure to uh, follow or subscribe or do whatever on your platform of choice. I would love to see this thing grow. Stay tuned for future episodes. I've got another guest coming on, hopefully next week. And uh, I'm very excited about it. So I hope you are too. I hope you guys are all happy and healthy out there and gearing up for race season. Things are getting wild. There's a lot of new devices coming out. There's a lot of races happening. I'm traveling a lot. I'm going to be all over the country in the next couple of months. So stay tuned for all of that content. I hope you enjoyed this ramble and this podcast. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll see you or you'll hear my voice. You won't see me because I'm on audio only. I'm going to stop talking now and uh, we'll talk next week. Bye.